Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua. It's a great man of God, one of my biblical heroes. We're going to be looking at one verse, but a whole storyline. Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. Scripture reads, So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. I'm going to talk today about walls come down. Holy Spirit, we know you're here. Your word says you inhabit the praise of your people. But our spirit, our hearts, and our soul, we feel you and we welcome you. We love you. So Lord, just give ears to hear, eyes to see, and heart to receive the word you have for your people this day. May my mind, my thoughts, my mouth be one with you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Walls come down. There are walls you'll find in society throughout history that provide two services for people, for organizations. They provide security and containment, two things. How do they do that? Safety from outside intruders, as well as imprisonment for those within. So a wall keeps people in, and it also keeps people out. And do you know spiritually the same principle applies? God offers a wall of protection. You'll see throughout the Bible a wall of fire. I'm reminded of when Moses took and, and led the Israelites out of Egypt, the great exodus. And then finally when they were making their way down and then were confronted by the Red Sea before them, and then Pharaoh, whose heart was hardened, came with his chariots and horsemen and was pursuing the Israelites from behind. When the Egyptian armies were just about ready to overtake Israel, what did God do? He separated the Israelites with a wall of fire from Egypt. A protection. Then that enabled, when God parted the Red Sea, the Israelites, the Jewish people, crossed through on dry ground. And when they reached the other side safely, then as the Egyptian armies pursued, God released the waters to go back to their original state. And the armies of Egypt were destroyed. You can see how God uses a wall of fire. Spiritually, it was there. It was an act, a miracle, a sign and a wonder of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? God offers a wall of protection, whereas when you look at the antithesis, Satan builds a wall of bondage. He builds strongholds. From the moment we're born, every human being comes under attack from the kingdom of darkness. The devil is no respecter of age, no respecter of gender, no respecter of economic status. He begins to hammer with his lies, with his thoughts, with his imaginations, 
every despicable thing you can think of in order to wear down that which God loves most. People. Do you know the Lord is passionately in love with you? Those of you who are worshiping online, God Almighty, Jesus Christ, He is passionately in love with you. So as these walls are built, and we all face different types of walls that affect us, and it's important that we're astute, we're attuned to this, because God has also called us to deal with these walls so that we don't become imprisoned, but rather the pathway is clear and open for God to bless us. How many of you believe God wants to bless you? I mean, you deeply, honestly, within, believe more than anything, God wants to bless you. Now, if you struggle with that, then you need to change your theology. Because God would have never sent His Son, Jesus, His only begotten Son, to die for the world if He didn't passionately love and care for you. Which one of us, I include myself, would lay down any of our children for the life of someone else? So God is in love with you. And that's why we're going to examine the walls that the devil seeks to erect in our lives so that no good thing that God doesn't want to withhold can find its way right into our arms. How many are ready for that? David said in Psalm 23, Surely goodness, everybody say goodness, and mercy, say mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. But if there is a wall erected, that wall, the same wall that sometimes we build, in order to keep ourselves from being hurt, the same wall that we erect for our own protection can be the same wall that keeps God, keeps God away from us. So today, we're, we're going to tear down some walls, amen? We're, we're going to open the doorway of blessing so that all of you and those of you worshiping online with us, did you know that we have nearly one million viewer, viewers every month that follow us online? That's a far cry from our auditorium. But it shows the hunger and the passion and the quest within people for truth, for the Word of God. And all of this began in churches just like ours when the pandemic hit. So that which the enemy intended for evil. It's amazing how God can turn it around for good. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let me ask you this. How can someone find freedom from the prison walls that hold them captive? And that's a pertinent question because that's what everybody, from the time of their birth, when they begin to become coherent, people are looking for freedom. In our text, the nation of Israel, they had been conquered, the nation had fallen, and for over 400 years, that's over four centuries, that's a long time, they were held as slaves and captive by the nation of Egypt. Then after that time when God says the next phase, the next momentum, the next direction, the prophetic moment had arrived, God sends Moses, calls him on the backside of a desert with a burning bush, making the call very clear that it was indeed God. Moses then arrives on the scene as God's spokesperson. What did he do? God told him one thing. Tell Pharaoh to what? Let my people go. Following ten plagues, because each time Pharaoh hardened his heart, after the tenth plague, 
Pharaoh then breaks for a moment. He releases the Jewish people, Moses at the helm leading them to what God had promised, the promised land. And as they're making this quest, finally, after the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, they cross through. And then for 40 years, 40 years they wandered in the wilderness until God eventually took them into the promised land. So what do you think was happening? What was God doing in that wilderness experience? God was building his nation and preparing them to inherit all that he had for them. Think about this. For four centuries, the Jews were indoctrinated with pagan religion, idolatry, false teachings, and they needed, what, to have those teachings, that mindset, undone. How could these people follow God without knowing God? All they knew were the gods of Egypt. And you know that same question is applicable for us. How can we really, truly, genuinely follow the Lord successfully unless we know more about Him? When you look at the wilderness, in order to possess the promised land, the Israelites needed to know the promise of God. And that's where the wilderness came into play. That became Israel's classroom. You know, sometimes we're in school and we don't even know it. I have found some of the greatest teachers in my life and in the lives of others I know are when people are going through a difficult time, a wilderness experience, a place where their faith is being stretched, when they're walking into the unknown and, and only God, and, and even though people may surround us at times that love us and support us, there are certain times in a wilderness, and a wilderness represents nothing, no life, no water. It's a drought. It's a time of, of desperation and lack. And those wilderness times when no one else has what we need, that's when we learn how to call upon the Lord and receive what He is providing and I can honestly tell you, there's no greater caretaker than God himself. How many believe that? Say amen. In the wilderness, this classroom experience for Israel, it's there they received, what? God's law. If they were going to know God more and know how to walk in his ways, they had to have something to study. So in the wilderness, that 40-year period, they received God's law. They also encountered God's correction. Now, a lot of times when people hear the word correction, they think, oh, that. That, that's mean. That's bad. That's not a good thing. I don't like correction. All the correction, think about it again from a student perspective. When you're in a classroom, when you take an exam for that class, whatever it is, what does the professor or the teacher do after the exam is completed? They correct it. They don't correct it and find mistakes to be mean, but they find the areas where the student is lacking knowledge, so what? So they can then learn even more so from the right answer and then ensure the foundation of truth and knowledge in their life. Especially when you're preparing for a career, a marketplace experience, you want to be the best you can be to have every opportunity available when you are in the workplace. And God, He has placed us in this world to be salt and light. He also wants to be blessed. Again, we looked at Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. 
So if that's going to transpire, we have got to learn how to recognize the voice of God, and that comes from the Word of God. And when we understand and recognize His voice, we'll recognize His presence, and we can move in harmony with the Lord. So many times people find themselves fighting God, and I've been there too, because we didn't recognize, or even I didn't recognize, that He was speaking in the moment. And so the more we can take and develop our knowledge and walk with the Lord, the more it will equip us to hear His voice. How many of you want to hear His voice? How many of you online want to hear His voice? When we hear, recognize, and discern His voice, everything becomes possible. Praise the Lord. And now here you have, after this 40-year encounter, this 40-year degree program. Can you imagine that? Took me a long time to get my doctorate, but not 40 years. And so now you have, after this 40-year period, it's time to cross over. Cross over from one side of the Jordan into the land of Canaan. And this meant taking a step of faith. And whenever a step of faith is involved, it's always the unknown. Always the unknown. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, that faith calls those things which are not as though they are. So the are not is the unknown. And then calling them as if they are is the statement of faith, aligning our confession, our faith, our mindset, our belief with what God says is truth. And sometimes that's a challenge, amen? They wouldn't call it faith if a challenge wasn't involved. So here they are venturing into the unknown, facing nations that are greater and stronger than Israel. And for Joshua and Israel... It began, this quest of faith, crossing over, it all began at a city called Jericho. A city God would conquer with what? The sound of heaven. Do you know all through Scripture, there are different references that refer to a sound equated with God's presence. And so what God was about to do would be solely because of His divine intervention. And not only all of Israel would know that, but every other nation that surrounded Jericho would know that this victory indeed came from God of heaven. Here you have the walls of Jericho. Do you know they were 13 feet high? For that time and period of history, that's big. They were not only 13 feet high, they were six feet wide at their base. And within the city walls was a 28-foot stone watchtower. They had eyes, 360. They knew exactly what was happening. It was heavily fortified, and this wall was patrolled on foot and by chariot. It was wide enough for a chariot with a horse to make its way around the wall again to secure the perimeter. By human standards, when anyone would look at this, and, and this was the reputation of, of the city of Jericho, these walls were impenetrable. Throughout Scripture then, when we get back to what God was about to do in that city for the nation of Israel, He was going to bring a sound that was going to literally change history and open the door for the pathway to inheriting the land. Throughout Scripture, there are many sounds that are associated with God. For instance, go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 8, with Adam and Eve. Look at what it says with regard of sound and God. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking 
in the garden. There's another reference with the prophet Elijah. Remember, there had not been rain on the earth for seven years. Finally, God says it's time. Elijah goes, he challenges the prophets of Baal. They're all put to death. God supernaturally sends fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice on the altar that Elijah had made. And then when the fire fell, it not only consumed the sacrifice, but even the rocks, everything on it, were disintegrated. Nothing but dust, nothing but powder was left. And then God says to Elijah, pray for the rain. It's time. He gets on his face. He begins to cry out to the Lord. A few times, then he turns and he looks at his servant. He says, do you see anything? Finally, the servant said, I see a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. That's all Elijah needed to hear. He get up, and what did he say? I hear the sound. Ezekiel, or uh, 1 Kings 18, 41. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Throughout the past two months prior, we were studying on Wednesday evenings the book of Ezekiel with the theme of revival. Ezekiel was God's man standing in the gap to pray for the nation of Israel. They had fallen for 390 years. They had strayed and ran and rebelled against God. And then the Lord raises up this prophet, Ezekiel, to stand in the gap, to pray, to be his representative, to call the nation prophetically into repentance. And as he's praying, God's presence appears to Ezekiel and look at what he says in Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 2. His voice, speaking of the voice of God, was like the sound, there's that word again, of many waters. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Acts 2, verse 2. Scripture says, suddenly there came from heaven a sound, there it is again, like a rushing mighty wind. So let me ask this question. What sound would play a key role in defeating the city of Jericho. The power of praise. Do you know there is power when we praise? So many times people fight this. They come to a church service. Oh, I don't want to sing like that. That's embarrassing. Lift my hands. I'll make a spectacle of myself. People become so insecure and so self-focused in an atmosphere of praise until they let the wall down and allow God to manifest and to worship through them. Satan does that intentionally because he knows that praise is not only uh, 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 an object of, of giving worship, but praise is also a weapon in the hand of God's people. Did you know that? What happened to Paul and Silas? Here they are preaching the gospel. They're arrested. They're beaten 40 less one, 39 stripes, whippings on their backs. Then they're set in prison. And then the word of God says in the book of Acts, around midnight they began to sing hymns. They were singing worship. God heard the worship, the sound of praise. And then, in a moment's notice, without warning, an earthquake began to shake the entire prison. Can you imagine that? It wasn't a random earthquake. God was responding. The weapon of praise, the power 
of praise. And literally, all of the prison cell doors opened. Their chains fell off. Then the captain of the guards was ready to take his own life. Why? Because he knew he would be held accountable. Because if the doors are open, the chains are off, everyone can leave. But then Paul says to the captain, Don't harm yourself. We are all still here. And Paul used this great moment all sparked by the power of praise to lead this Philippian jailer, his wife and family, to Jesus. They took him home. They cleaned Paul and Silas's wounds. They fed them, then brought them back to the prison. And God so wonderfully intervened because of the power of praise that even the head of the city gave a public apology to Paul as a citizen of Rome. God is a great God. Amen? But what would have happened had they chosen not to praise? What has happened in our lives in a negative fashion? Because maybe we refused to praise. Maybe we believed the lie and we became angry and bitter. Rather than realize God's not my problem, He's my answer. And so when we praise God, that becomes the light switch. The paradigm moment, the pivotal moment, where we can see the Lord's intervention all because we chose to praise, where He turns a negative into a positive. Hallelujah. I have found praise is the doorway that God uses to usher in His presence. And God was about to reveal Himself in our text to Israel and all of the nations in Canaan, including Jericho. And this reveal would come through one thing, one dynamic, one obedience, praise. Praise that would unleash, glory to God, God's omnipotence. See, we got to stop focusing on the walls that are erected and are holding us captive, holding others that we love and care for captive. We've got to stop focusing like David on the giant. Paul said, or David said in the Psalms, magnify the Lord with me. This morning, Cindy and I were getting some things out of the uh, drawer uh, underneath our, our bathroom cabinetry, and we were looking for some lotion, and we pulled one out, and I said to Cindy, what's the expiration, expiration date on, on that lotion? And Because you know they can lose their potency, and you want to stay, stay current with that, get the maximum benefit. So Cindy didn't have her glasses. She goes, he's going like this. Right, says, wait a minute. I said, here, let me have that. And I'm doing the same thing. Then we put on our glasses. We still couldn't discern. Maybe we knew a new prescription. So anyhow, here we are, and I was referencing my optrician right over there. Praise the Lord. So there we were, still couldn't decipher. So what did I do? I reached into one of the drawers and pulled out what Cindy gave me in a Christmas stocking a few years back, a magnifying glass. When you're over the age of 60, a wonderful gift to receive is a magnifying glass. I put that baby down there and I went like this, only to find that wasn't an expiration date. All of that with that outcome. When we magnify something, what are we doing? We're making it bigger. We can either magnify the Lord or we can magnify our fears, our challenges, the obstacles that are in our way. The adversity we're facing, the devil. As for me and my house, like Joshua said, 
I choose to praise the Lord. And that praise is what equipped and powered Joshua his entire tenure as a leader over the nation of Israel. Do you know there's not one derogatory you can find against that man of God in the Scripture? He was integrous. He was moral. He was a man of praise. Hallelujah. How many of you want God to fashion and make you strong like that in praise as Joshua was? Just give a hearty shout to the Lord. Hallelujah. That wasn't too hearty. Let's try that one more time. Just give a hearty clap, praise, clap, shout to the Lord. Come on, right now. There you go. There you go. First time you were 87 octane, that last time you were 93. Praise the Lord. God wants to lead us, especially in the time of battle. You know when it says in Scripture, no weapon formed against you will prosper? That is a precursor, though, to us making the right decisions. Hearing the voice of God, following the direction of God, and then He provides His provision. Look at the battle plan that was given to Joshua. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you who have military background, if you were to look at this from a natural perspective, you would say, not a great battle plan. But let's look at it. Joshua 6, 3 through 5. God is, tells this to Joshua. He says, you shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass... When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall flat down, and the people shall go up every man straight beforehand. What kind of a plan is that? If you shout, it'll fall down. It's like if you build it, they will come. Right? Remember that movie? But yet, that's where the element of obedience and faith comes into play. There are many times God asks of us to do things, and you'll find it all throughout the Bible, that are well beyond our natural thinking, our natural processes, and even our natural resources. And those times, God purposely orchestrates that way. Because when the miracle comes, when the answer to prayer makes its way into our lives or that situation, he wants you and everyone else to know he did it. God's saying, I'm responsible. There's no denying when God moves when it's well beyond our resources. Reminds me of Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You see, God called Israel to do what they couldn't do so he could display what he can do. God likes to put on a show. He likes to show off because he wants people to know there are no strings attached to his grace and mercy. He wants them to know, people and all of us, that he loves us unconditionally. And it's that unconditional love that gives us the ability to change, to see the walls come down and things that we thought we could never be free from, attitudes, issues, lifestyles, habits, addictions, 
all because of Jesus, all because of God's divine intervention, he has made himself real. And, and you know, the Scripture says those who are forgiven much love much. God brought a boatload of forgiveness to me. And that's why I love him so much. He believed in me when no one else did, when I didn't even believe in myself. He loved me when I was extremely unlovable. And I've seen the Lord. I relate so much to David. I honestly do. When he says, I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. You know, every situation, every challenge, every mountain, every wall, every giant that has ever come against me during my lifetime, I've seen God supernaturally intervene. And that just makes me love him even more. People will say, wow, Pastor Craig, doing a great job. My response is, God just makes me look good. And honestly, give the glory back to him. Once we touch the glory, then we've stolen the blessing. We've ended the road. We've put up another wall. And God says, why did you do that? I had so much more in store. How many of you want to remove all walls in your life? I'm going to show you how in a moment. You see, the victory at Jericho, what it did was prepare the way for every battle that would follow. It was a huge confidence builder. If God was with us for such an extreme challenge, everything else is so much smaller in comparison. And so it prepared the way of the people, their faith level, their trust, their confidence, but it also prepared the way by bringing forth a reputation that the God of Israel is unmatchable. People heard about the God that the Israelites served, and they were fearful to come against him. It's amazing how obedience and trust can open so many doors of opportunity, breakthrough, and blessing. So here they are, seven days, they walk around the walls of the city. For six of those days, did you know they were forbidden to speak? The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. What happened 40 years prior when Moses led them to the banks of the Jordan River, they murmured. They sent spies into the land. They said, oh, the land is flown with milk and honey, but there's giants there. That was one of the giants that David later fought. And so here you have all of these challenges, and they believed what they saw more than what God said. And because of their doubt and unbelief and their fear, they were disobedient and missed their opportunity, their blessing to step into the land of promise. So now God says, it's not going to happen again. I'm going to make sure you go in. And you won't be deterred by what you speak. And so for six of those days, they didn't say a word. Went around one time, then went back to camp. The priests went with them. The Ark of the Covenant, which contained the presence of the Lord, went with them. But then on the seventh day, seven's a great number, isn't it? It's the number of completion. What did God do on the seventh day? He rested. It's a day of rest. The rest of the Lord brings blessing, brings breakthrough, brings renewal. And then on the seventh day, following the seventh time around, they released what? Praise. The power of praise. Scripture says the priest blew the shofar. And the people shouted, and just as God had promised, the walls came down. Again, look at our text, Joshua 6.20. 
So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout. Not just a shout, a great shout. Everybody say great shout. When they shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. In conclusion, are there walls in your life that need to come down? Those of you watching online, what walls are hindering you? And what walls in your life need to come down spiritually? These walls are comprised of many, many different names. So we're going to build a wall with some of those names. I think the first attack that Satan brings in erecting a wall that hinders us from God's presence is doubt. Isn't that what happened in the book of Genesis with Eve? Did God surely say, are you sure if you eat of this fruit, you'll die? Then Satan spun his own narrative and it all began with a seed and block of wall, doubt. Then deceit comes in. See, once you believe a doubt and you build your life around that doubt, that deception that captures you here begins to translate into every area of your life. Because if there's anything blocking the passageway of God to speak to us, to commune with us, then that makes us more susceptible to lies and deceit. And when that takes place, the next wall is unbelief. Unbelief. We start believing our own lies. We start believing the lies of the enemy. And then when that transpires, then we're all alone. And what follows that block in the wall? Fear. Fear. The feeling of no security. The feeling of being unprotected, uncovered. Which then causes us to become angry. Issues begin to rise. And then unforgiveness becomes a part of our lives. Unforgiveness towards family members. Unforgiveness towards those in our church. Those on the workplace. Those in our, you know, in our schools, our community. It just builds and builds and builds. To where finally that unforgiveness translates as what? Bitterness. Bitterness that eats us alive. We dream these issues and attitudes. We hear them echoing in our thought recesses. And, and we begin to play them over and over. It just begins to consume and control us. And then because we feel so powerless, we begin to focus on ourselves. And that's where greed comes into play. Greed that takes and makes life all about us. It's all about give me, give me, give me. Rather than what we can give. The very antithesis of God. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And so here we find then that greed begins to control. And then that greed gives way to all types of addictions. Because when we're looking to satisfy ourselves, then no matter what our desires are, we want that. And then because of the guilt and the conviction that comes from living a life that's out of agreement with the will and the word of God, then we feel this conviction and that then when people turn from God, they look to other coping skills. 
drugs, alcohol, sexual addictions, gambling. There are many addictions that people wrestle with in their lifetime without God. And then when the mind is under attack and the spirit is under attack, sickness and disease, the physical body is affected by this. You see, they're all interrelated. We're body, we're soul, we're spirit. Then it just begins to compound. People are tired of feeling the way they feel and the emotions and the depression. And, and now they're dealing with the spirit of heaviness, depression. Why? Because all of the addictions and all of the coping skills associated with that aren't taking away what they're feeling. And so now depression sets in. And they have to try and figure out how to deal with that. That depression then just continues to snowball into hatred where we blame everyone else for all that's happening, this wall in our life, when really we were the ones who opened the door for it. And then as things continue to grow, being ruled by all of our carnal desires, then their sexual sin sets in as a way of escape. And then, because we can't deal with what we're feeling, we become our own God. We establish what's right and wrong. And that's all the sin of pride. Then we find that as pride grows, people feel they're entitled to have anything that they wanted at any given moment. And that's where thievery, stealing, taking what doesn't belong to us. And then there's ingratitude. When someone does bless us, there's no thanksgiving, there's no appreciation. And finally, jealousy. When we see others that are blessed, others that do have the peace and the presence of God, we become angry, jealous against those people. And even those that have our best interests love us more than those that surround these individuals trapped by these walls. This jealousy just overpowers them to where at any cost they will take what someone else has. And then there's the blank block that represents what I didn't mention, that represents the other strongholds that are in people's lives, the walls that are keeping them from all that the Lord has for them. Do you identify with any of these walls, any of these blocks within it, all of them together? It's amazing how over a lifetime, over time, this is what can happen. And then we wonder why our relationships are estranged. We wonder why we have no peace. We wonder why we have no joy. We see others, maybe even if we attempt and go to church, and we, we see people, you know, encountering the Lord in a very special way. And then we ask ourselves, why isn't that happening to me? My response is, maybe there's a wall that needs to come down. And the way these walls come down is when we release the sound of praise. Just like at the battle of Jericho, just like with Joshua and the Israelites, it wasn't the resource of any man or woman. It was the storehouse and resources of almighty omnipotent God. So my word to all of us today is we need to speak and to shout Walls come down. We need to partner our praise with God's promises, His Word, 
His promises, the scriptures are very clear. They're yea and amen. They never change. They're not outdated. The same God who healed thousands of years ago is the same God who heals today. Many of you are examples of this healing power. Our God is an awesome God. Hallelujah. So let's lift up the name of Jesus in this auditorium. Those of you who are worshiping in other nations around the world and in this nation, lift up the name of Jesus. Just like Joshua, just like the Israelites, let's lift up a wall, a power, a battering ram of praise and bring down everything the enemy has brought against us throughout our lifetime. You are not a product of your environment. You are the image of God. Hallelujah. Did you hear me? Created in the image of God to contain the Spirit of God so that you can walk and give to others the blessing of God. At the count of three, as everyone stands, at the count of three, we're going to shout against our walls. All of these issues and those that maybe you don't have on this list, but this block represents. Every block, every brick, every stone in the wall of your life, your praise, your obedience is going to bring it down. So at the count of three, I want everyone to shout. I want everyone to praise out loud. I want you to clap your hands. I want to bring, bring the biggest shout of praise so that whatever has been holding you back and whatever has been holding you back, it will come down in the name of Jesus. At the count of three, if you want the wall in your life broken and pulverized, then you shout and continue to shout. One, are you ready? Two, come on, it's going to be the biggest praise you've ever given. Three, praise Him, come on. Hallelujah! Come on, keep going. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Oh, Yababa Sunday. More, more, more. Let the wall shake. Let the wall shake. Come on. He's here. There's a rattling. He's shaking everything that can be shaken. Come on. Louder, 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 louder. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do it again. That's your prayer. Lord, do it again. Let the walls come down. Praise the Lord. This is what you do with those rocks. This is what you do with it. Clear the way. Hallelujah. You obey God, and He will move in your life. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.